0: Hello and welcome to Messiah's Upper Room Podcast. Each week, you'll join the Messiah's Upper Room Bible Study Class led by Pastor Jim Addy. This episode, we are digging through the archives one more time for the concluding session of our series, Living the Life of Jesus's Beloved, led by Gina Lerman. Enjoy.
1: Well, let's do a little bit of a refresher of last week, because I I mean, if y'all are like me, Philippians has been—it's a really great study. It's very interesting to listen to. Last week we talked about rejoicing in the act of daily joying your life in thanksgiving, no matter what happens. Did you know that the words joy and rejoice pop up 16 times in this letter? In this letter that Paul writes, those words pop up 16 times. So that's that's kind of telling you. We should be joyful. We should be rejoicing because of what we have. He also talks about practicing daily gratitude changes your perspective. You ever notice that? I mean, I know we learn forever things that we read. What people say is that your attitude can really affect your day. So if we practice daily gratitude, it'll change our perspective towards life's hardships and the difficult people you deal with every day. Does anybody deal with anybody difficult? Don't. Uh, it's dangerous to point to your wife next to you when I ask that question. <laughs> but I'm sure we all come across de- difficult situa- situations, difficult people, and do you feel gratitude when you come across those difficult people? Not <laughs> really. Not right away, but... It's also one of those things, one of the things we learn is you really don't ever know what that other person is going through. They don't know what we're going through. We don't know what they're going through. So there should be some gratitude in just anything that God throws in front of us. You know, he's trying to give us a lesson or teach us something. Uh, C talks about worry as opposed to the medical condition called anxiety flows out of the desire to control or influence people and situations. And we have so much control over that, don't we? Not really, not very much. Uh, well, let's start into Philippians 4, 4 through 7. And it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. It says, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. One thing that I learned when I was kind of studying this is that there's actually there's kind of three aspects of peace. There is there's peace from God. There's peace with God and there's peace of God. So when you look at the peace from God, it's 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 from him. It's a gift from him is that the peace that we receive from Him, the peace with God, that's a relationship. We have that feeling of peace because we have that relationship with God. There's that peace that comes with that. And then there is the peace that is of God. And that's kind of where it talks about that it's kind of it's beyond our comprehension that you have that peace of God. And when you think of it, when it talks about it, it's beyond all understanding, what it's kind of saying, it's, it's not some willy-nilly something that you, it's just, you can't explain it or anything like that or it's nothing that anybody could ever understand. It's one of those things is that when he talks about it being be all, beyond all comprehension, it's one of those, you, you don't really understand it until you experience it. Have you ever had something where people will talk about something and, and trying to describe a situation or some event they went through and you're kind of like, okay. And you don't really get it until you've experienced it. I think that's what we have as believers is, is that we get it. We understand we, the way that we understand it is because we experience it. We have God in our life. It's, I think it's a hard thing to explain to people that don't have a relationship with God or don't have a piece of him or don't want to. They're not going to understand the piece of, of God, because they've never experienced it, so they think that we're probably willy-nilly when we talk about it. So that's kind of the three little little aspects of peace there. It'll talk below that, it says, peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. When he talks about guarding your hearts and your minds, what is, what is he kind of saying by that? What are you guarding against? The world.
2: Yeah. Influence
1: of the, devil. the devil, the world. H- how do we guard against that? Because it's there. It's hard to get away from. How do we guard against it? What are things that we can do to guard against it?
2: Walk away from a situation.
1: Yeah, you can walk away from a situation.
2: Mm-hmm. What a
3: deal, mm-hmm. Come out of
0: church. <coughs> mm-hmm. yourself the right yeah. Surround yourself with the right
1: people. Yeah, surround yourself with the right people. Setting like this. We also we've studied several times, Phil. Uh-huh.
0: Just having the self awareness, being able to recognize it. Mm-hmm.
1: Seeing it when it surfaces. We also we have the armor of God. We've studied about that. There's certain ways. That's how we guard ourselves. It's nothing that we can necessarily do on our own. I think the key phrase here is the Lord is near. Mm-hmm. He's God is here, mm-hmm. not someplace
2: else.
1: Yeah, He's always near to us. Do you ever get to that time where you feel like He's not? Yes. Yeah. Do you ever feel like, I mean, I'll admit it. I've had times where I've said, where are you? Are you, are you do you see me? Do you hear me? Do you know what's going on? Do you, do you know what's going on? <laughs> I mean, I've had times where you look up and you're like, hello. <laughs> but you know, he's here. He's always there. Always. There's never a time where he's not near to us. So that's part of, that's part of that piece also is knowing that he's always with us. So it'll talk. It says there. When it talks about guard your hearts and minds, it's not merely kind of like we talked about. It's not an abstract concept is that the peace of God is Jesus. That's the peace is having that relationship with Jesus. And it says that peace with God was earned through forgiveness and that the peace of God is what fills us through faith. So when it says guard your hearts and minds, beloved life principle number 24, gratitude for being beloved acts as a guardian, warning you of destructive thoughts, attitudes, and actions, and and catch the last part of that statement. See what it says? It says, when you submit to it. So, that's what we have to submit to it. There's so much that God can give us if we'll just let him, if we'll just submit to it and let him do it. Below that, it says, grateful people are a wonderful immune system. For the body of Christ, because their joy creates positive momentum of hopefulness, so that's that's very encouraging. Below it says Philippians 4, eight through 9 it says, "Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me." put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. When I was reading through this and I was looking at it, I kept, what, the one word that kept popping up to me was whatever, which in today's, I mean, for most of you that have kids, grandkids, anything like that, what do you think when they go, whatever, is that really a positive statement that they're making to you? Is that encouraging? Does it encourage you when they look at you and they go, whatever? <laughs> that's what I thought of when I was reading this. Are you getting that from Paul? No. Are, you, are you feeling that Paul's looking at you going, whatever? <laughs> no, it's telling you. And that's why to me, when you see my little jellyfish up here, is I was kind of looking at this to me, the theme word for today is whatever. whatever. Don't leave Sunday school. And if anybody asks you, what'd y'all learn about in Sunday school today? Don't look at them, go, Whatever. Pastor Audie would not be necessarily pleased that that was the word I taught today (laughs) Is whatever it's but it's one of those things what's Paul's point by using that word so many times What, what was so important about using that word what point was he trying to make?
2: Specific reference to each of these things that are, effect, that are in our lives. Mm-hmm. So that it's it's not saying, he's not saying whatever is true or whatever, you know, but he said whatever is true, whatever is noble. Mm-hmm. What are those things that are true and noble? Keep those in your heart. Mm-hmm.
1: I looked up, you know, Google tends to t- kind of tell us everything. I Googled whatever just because I want to say, okay, what's the definition of? whatever, like the actual word, not whatever. But it said on there, it says, that word is used to emphasize a lack of restriction in reference to anything and any amount, no matter what. That's how it describes the word whatever. Or it says, regardless of what. That's kind of what I was getting from Paul when he's using that word is regardless of whatever. These, those are the things we need to hold on to. So whatever, we're gonna use our version or the biblical version or Paul's version of whatever, not your teenager's version of whatever. So it's just, to me, it's, it's a very simple word, but it had a very strong point that it was making and telling all of us is that, Whatever it is that you're going through,
3: God's there. Mm-hmm. I kind of get the feeling sometimes when you say, but whatever, you're giving up. Mm-hmm. It, it's okay. I guess it's up to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, not me.
1: Yeah. That's a good point. A lot of times when we say whatever, it's just, you're just kind of scooting it aside and just wh- whatever. I don't want to talk about it anymore. And I don't want to think about it anymore. Just whatever. So, but Paul's strong use of that word, tends to point out to a whole lot of other things. If you look at the lesson he talks about below that, uh, it kind of gives you a little bit more clarification of those particular whatever is. If you look at when it talks about the first one being true, this is what Paul, this is what he wants us to be. True means it's genuine. It's accurate. It's not lies. It's not opinions. It's not theories. And what do you see when you see noble? What is it? What do you think? Honorable in (laughs) the high rank. It's being being honorable. It's being noble. And what do you think about when you think of the word right? I'm always. (laughs) I think, yeah, I kind of figured that's where we'd go. When people hear the word right, it's like, yeah, that's me. I'm right. (laughs) And he's he's not referencing an argument necessarily that you're having with somebody. What's he, what's he, what is right?
0: in
2: accordance with God's
1: Yeah, God's word. That's what's right. That's what's correct. That's what we rely on. That does not have any fallacies, anything like that. Okay, when it talks about pure, what does that tell you? What do you think of when you think of pure? It's not dirty. Yeah, it's not demeaning. It's not, it's blameless, that it's pure. And then it talks about lovely. And when he's talking about lovely, he's not talking about physical loveliness. What's he talking about?
2: Loveliness, mm-hmm. the world that he created. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, do you ever get that when, especially now that we're coming into spring, when you're looking around and even when you're seeing the Bradford pears blooming, <laughs> they're, they're lovely. And you, you, you know, if you go near the ocean or you do, go visit different places, have you ever had that feeling where you're just like, wow, God, this is really beautiful. Well, and part of that, I mean, not only are you admiring what you're seeing, but you're just really amazed at what he's done, at what he's created. It's really lovely. (laughs) Then it talks about admirable. You can see that. He wants us to be and do admirable things, which is what? Speak well of others. And we are all experts at that, aren't we? <laughs> so, but that's what he wants us to do. Also, the word
2: admirable is uh, uh, having respect or, mm-hmm. or uh, it uh, is uh, to be uh, worthy of respect. Mm-hmm.
1: Have you met anybody that you admire? I bet all of us have met somebody that we admire. I remember when I took BSF, I had a teaching leader at that time. And one of our classes, she was talking about how, about seeing God in several things. She was in the mall. She was going up the escalator. And as she's going up of it, she just feels like, you know, as she's going up of it, that she's getting closer and closer to God. And so even though she sta- she's got sin that she deals with, sometimes those are like the steps. And as she got closer and closer to God then they went away. So as she's going up that escalator and she's feeling like she's going up to the Lord, her sins as she steps off and feels like she's getting the Lord's presence, then they're gone. How the escalator goes down. And I was so, I mean, it was, I was just, I think I sat there in class, listening to her and looking at her going, okay, I'm not there yet. I don't, I don't think I, I wish I had that kind of awareness And just the mundane things like the escalator that I'm seeing God's effect on me. And that was, that was very admirable to me listening to her. And that was probably 25 years ago. And I still remember that all the time. She, that was admirable to me as I admired her, that she could see him and his effect and his presence on just so many little things. If you, what's the next one? It says, Excellent. That was kind of a hard one when, when I was thinking of that I'm like whatever is excellent. What do you think would be excellent in God's eyes? Not the world's eyes. What do you think would be excellent in his eyes? I don't know. It's a tough question.
0: Doing the best that you can do. Yeah.
1: Wouldn't that be excellent in his? Do you think do you think he He realizes that we will fail in things, doesn't he? He doesn't, his eyes, excellent does not mean, well, you have to, excellent and perfect are not the same thing. So he sees more of our strive to do things and be excellent in things that represent him, not in things that the world sees as excellent. The last one, praiseworthy. What do you think of that one?
2: Universal. Pacific.
1: Well, it, it does say there, it says universal civic approval because there's praiseworthy in everything.
2: Yeah. In all that you do, you can people can say, boy, you, she or he really did a fine job mm-hmm. with that. You know, so it's pr- the, the work that you did or the effort that you put up is praiseworthy.
1: Yeah. The, I think that that summarizes perfectly what God's trying to do is that it's, people will praise you Sometimes they'll praise you in things, if you, even though you didn't acom- necessarily accomplish something, but they'll praise you because of the effort that you put out, that you really strive to do something. You may, it may not be the result that you were thinking you were going to get, but you really were going to do everything you could to do that. What Paul says is he's like, think on these things.
4: Uh, along with praiseworthy, I think... Sending gratitude to God for all you have mm-hmm. and everything and the world around you and, and with spring coming, everything mm-hmm. budding out and all, that turns it back to God to praise him mm-hmm. for for the gratitude that he's giving you in your life. Mm-hmm. Because everything you have is is, is comes from him.
3: Yeah.
1: Everything we have comes from Him. Doesn't it feel good to thank Him? Does it, do you ever have to force yourself to thank him? I mean, there might be times that you're in where you may not be feeling overly thankful, (laughs) but there are times where you, you know, if there's a difficult time that you're going through, do you ever sit back and go, okay, but but I have this, I'm thankful for this. This didn't necessarily go the way I was kind of hoping it would, but I know that whatever he is trying to do or whatever he's trying to accomplish is way better than anything I can do. So I'm going to tr- be thankful and have gratitude and whatever.
3: If, if y'all follow Linda and Eric Funky in um, Tanzania, um, she, on Facebook, she puts, even though she's had a terrible day, she puts something in there that she's, that they are thankful for. Mm-hmm. <coughs>
1: Well, but even Pastor Adi mentioned that in last week's class about doing your, write down your top 10 thankfuls that day, that week, whatever it is. Try to take your mind off any of the negative or anything that's kind of pulling you down and say, okay, I'm going to focus on what's pulling me up and what I'm thankful for and what I'm grateful for and try to take my eyes away from this and put it on this and something that I'm grateful for and thankful for. He says, think, he says, take these into account, all of these, and let them shape your conduct continuously until they become habits. Does it take one time to form a habit? Two? Yeah. Three? Four. 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 <laughs> four? So it takes, yeah, or 12 or 15 or 20 or 30. <laughs> so it's forming a habit, you can't just have these once and you got it. You got it down. You know how to do all those. Oh, I thought I had it. <laughs> you thought you had it? <laughs> no, forming a habit it takes some time. It takes some effort. It takes some work, it takes some focus. So that's what he's saying as far as making a habit. Now have you ever noticed that when you get something and you formed it into a habit, if if you don't do it or you miss out on it, doesn't it kind of throw you off? <laughs> and, I mean you, you kind of feel off the rest of the day. Or you you kind of have this thought going. Uh, okay, I forgot something. I missed something. What did I miss? So. this
4: church on Sunday. The whole yeah, week
1: is. It throws of you week. off. Yeah. yeah, it throws you off when you don't complete that habit that you're used to doing. So imagine what it would be like if that was a habit for us. It'll ta- it, it, Can we easily do this? No. 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 So we need to work on it. We need to think about it. Put it in practice and just and also understand that there may be some times where you you miss it. You forget to do it. You avoid doing it. Things like that. But if you really, really want this, as Paul suggests, God encourages for this to be part of your life. Figure out a way to make it happen. I mean, I know have people gotten to where they want to do. It's like, okay, I'm going to have a little bit more quiet time, or I'm going to do a devotional, or I'm going to do this. What do you normally do to accomplish that? Just kind of like, okay, first thing in the morning, I'm going to grab my coffee and I'm going to get my devotional. So you, you get it into being a habit. And then it becomes, it's not necessarily easy, but it's something you feel like you have to do it or it totally throws you off. So he talks about making it a habit. And it it tells you, involves making a decision to fill your mind and your heart with good instead of evil, knowing that what you think impacts how you live. And it impacts others. All Having this as a habit or a mindset, it for sure impacts you. But it'll also impact other people. And they'll see that in you. I mean, they'll be like... How how do you get through that? How do you get through these things? How do you, how how are you happy when you're going through something like that? Well, we're happy because of him. We've got that to lean on. We've got each other. So that's how we do it. That's how we get through it. And he, that's what he's saying. He's like, think on this, think on your whatever, (laughs) think on that and make it a habit. Uh, He talks about that it's learned, received, it's heard, it's seen, it's put into practice. People, especially children, and see how it puts in all caps, it will catch what is consistently modeled for them. Kind of scares us, I know that, (laughs) as far as what children will catch. And it says, so even when you fail at these virtues, the opportunity is ripe for a teaching moment. Mm I
3: think to, to really accomplish any of that, you have to just focus on one thing at a time, mm-hmm. um, maybe for months or a couple of months. Take one of those words, put it on a piece of paper, put it up on your mirror, somewhere where you see it every day. That's a great idea. Um, and just look into each one of those words, whichever one you're taking, mm-hmm. and all the different meanings for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's, there's more than just one meaning. All What it can focus on, all the different areas. And just mm-hmm. concentrate on that for a month, a couple of months. Maybe you need six months later, <laughs> And then you go on to the next one. And that way you can really make it a habit yeah. um, by focusing on just the one thing.
1: That's a great idea. This could be a little overwhelming if you're like, okay, I have to put all these in practice right away. No, it's a great idea. Take one, focus on it. Stick it on, you know, write it on a piece of paper, stick it on your fridge, mirror, whatever, and try to remind yourself, okay, I'm gonna try to do this today, and however long you need to take it out, weeks, days, weeks, months, whatever, where you feel like that you're, it's really in your mindset, that it's, you've kinda hardwired it to where you're thinking about it more, you're approaching it more, you're trying to impact others with it. That would be quite a challenge for us.
4: You could almost take that whatever out, and put Christ,
1: yes, and then you
4: you've got the attributes of Christ, or you could put <coughs> any admirable Christian that you mm-hmm. think that that uh, mimics Christ, mm-hmm. and put that in there, and mm-hmm. and then you'd have more of an understanding. It's hard for me when someone like you just did mm-hmm. says, "Give me a." Mm-hmm. what's true, what's no? what's right, you know, then mm-hmm. I start thinking all these things and I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. able to just dive in on it all of a sudden. When I put Christ there, it makes a whole difference.
3: Yeah, that's a great point. A whole lot of difference. Mm-hmm. Another thing, I have it that has stayed with me from when I was growing up, when I was a young girl, my godmother, who lived next door to me, um, said one time, whenever you hear a siren, an ambulance, a police car, or whatever. Stop in your mind and say a little prayer. Someone is in need. Mm -hmm. If there's a siren going, they're hurrying for something. Someone is in need. And just say a little prayer. God help whoever it is. That's what
4: I do. -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm.
3: And I still think about that today when I hear a siren. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, it's, It's a habit that's there for life.
1: Yeah, that's a great habit. Somebody's in need, so you just pray for them. Anytime you see a siren, pray for the responders, too, because they're in need. They need help. So it's a great idea. It'll talk about, it says, you know, this is a formula for teaching faith as far as trying to get to where you impact all these things into yourself. And then you can share it with others. So it says on here, it says the Beloved Life Principle number 25 has, has a threefold value. In the first one, it says you experience a greater satisfaction in life because you are feeling your heart and mind with grace, which is our food. Feeding. Fe- feeding. Feeding. F-E-E-D-I-N-G. F-E-E-D-I-N-G. <laughs> I did put my contacts on. That is what it says. <laughs> it says feeding. So you're feeding your heart. And, it's in there, and it says with grace, which is our food. God's grace, that's our food. The second one says, other people benefit from your attitude because their joy increases. Three says, your witness to others increases, even when you think it doesn't, because God's gift of hope leaks out, even in the midst of difficulties. And it says, the point here is hope is not something that we manufacture. God makes it, and God leaks it out of us, even when we think it's not there. You know, that's not a bad thing to be leaking out. <laughs> or do you have a hope that's leaking out of you? That's not a bad thing. I mean, is that isn't that something? It's like if you had to pick something and having having God's hope where you you can just stand around people and you're just exhibiting it. So that's what you talk about is that it just leaks out of you. And people other people want they see it and they wanna it's like how do how do I get that? How 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 do you have that? What what you do to get that? Well, we we believe that's how we get it.
3: Or you could answer, well, today I've got it, but you should've seen me yesterday. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean there yesterday? Yesterday, well, and af- you know, after we have class together, then we're all standing around, we're like a puddle. <laughs> we're leaking so much cuz we've been around God and had and had good conversations and good understandings things understandings and good thoughts about what he's trying to share. So we're we're sweating hope. It's leaking out of us. If you look at, okay, Philippians 4, 10 through 13, it says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Interesting. One of the things that I was studying is I know all of you seen Philippians 4, 13, where, you know, I can, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And most of the time what we see or what we learn is a lot of times People will reference that a lot of times because they've accomplished something. They've won something. They've done something really good. You know, whatever goal they were trying to accomplish it, that's what they've done. So sometimes they're kind of, they're missing the whole focus of that. Because he's not just saying all things being all good things. He's saying all things, especially what all Paul had to go through. But he still had that mindset is that I can accomplish all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's strengthening me not just for winning failure, harm, injury, sadness, weakness. We can accomplish all things because we keep our focus on him. He's our strength. So it, when I was kind of preparing for this and things that I was looking at and studying, that, was, that kind of came up several times that they noticed a lot of people will reference that verse. And, and not trying to say in a bad way, you know, you'll see football players. I mean, Tim Tebow, he wears that on his cheeks a lot, which is great. I love to see that. But one of the things that they were referencing is, is don't just equate that with accomplishing or winning something is that in all, whether you're winning or you're losing or you're in pain or you're in grief or you're in hurt, you can, it's pretty much telling you, you can get through anything with God who strengthens you. And he's with us. We can get through anything because he's with us. And Paul knew that. He did never doubt that. And you could see that even the Roman soldiers who were guarding him, they saw that. So that's what it, it kind of was pointing out there is that, you know, he, that God's with us in whatever we're going through. And he, when he talks about below, he says, you renew your concern for me. He's thanking the Christians at Philippi for demonstrating their love for him by sending him financial support as well as money to help the poor Christians in Jerusalem and things like that. When he talks about later on, as we said, he's like that he wants to credit it to their account. Well, he's not like talking like a bank statement or a bank account. When he wants to credit it to their account, well, what what point is he trying to make? What is he saying?
2: Praise worthy and thanks to you. Yeah. For you.
1: Because he's he's not he's he's thank he's not necessarily thankful for money. He's not necessarily thankful for the food. He's thankful for their support, and their love, and their concern. Have you ever noticed when you get like a card from somebody or you get some flowers or something like that? Is it just, oh, I have this cute little card I can open it, close it, open, close it. No, what is it, what is it, what does it make you think of? That you're thought of. That they thought of you. It's not so much that you are just focused that you got a card. I mean, even when the flowers die or things like that, you still think of that. You think of that they thought of you that you cared, that they care for you, that they had concern for you. That's what he was pointing out, is he is wanting to credit that to their account. He wants to credit to their account that they were thinking of him, that they were concerned about him, they were wanting to show support to him, caring, love. He is crediting that to their account that he wants them to all understand that that's what meant so much to him.
4: When you think about Paul and and his beginnings and and his life in general, you can see why he would take this attitude because not only did he have this attitude after Christ, before Christ, he was a killer of Christians. Mm -hmm. He was actually in that way. But all through his ministry, he had to have a excellent faith. He was shipwrecked three times, bitten by a poisonous snake. The natives thought he should be dead. (laughs) Kept waiting for him to fall over. And, you know, just different things that went, that Paul went through. And he, I think he was, didn't he meet his death in boiling oil? Something like that. Terrible death. That? I don't remember how
1: Paul met his.
4: But he had many reasons to think of those Mm -hmm. attributes. Because not only did he, he was always a zealot. In fact, he Mm -hmm. was Paul's zealot. Mm -hmm. He was a zealot when he was killing Christians and and that was a term that they used for Christian killers, his zealots. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, when you think about Paul's entire life and then what God did to change him, you know, Mm -hmm. it, it makes you understand that he wasn't he w- when he says, I know what I'm talking about when I'm <laughs> talking about these things, he had seen it from both sides, mm-hmm. from being a Christian killer to being blessed by God, regardless of the circumstances.
1: Yeah, I mean... He had
4: it here. Yeah. He had God, and he mm-hmm. knew what it was to live without God, mm-hmm. and he would punish people who were living for himself.
1: He knew what mm-hmm. he had. Well, he talked about how he knew how it was to be... To have everything in fullness, mm-hmm. and you talked about how it felt to be a need, mm-hmm. well in you know, look at today's society too when you see people that have everything if you weigh it out which is which carries more weight, which is more valuable in our in our lives in our world, is it having more stuff and not having God, which is it? I mean how did how did Paul get through all that? What was his focus? Well, he he would just he trusted God mm-hmm. to get him out
4: of it. He, and he would turn it over to God. He would mm-hmm. he didn't try to solve things on his own. He knew he could leave things to God and people around him would support him or that God himself would make make a way. And that's yeah. total trust. He was totally committed. Absolutely. And everything Paul did, whether it was for God or against God, he was always committed,
1: fully committed. Well, how, how good are we at that? How good are we at turning things over to God? Mm-hmm. Well, if you're like if you're like me, I'm really good at tug of war. Yeah. I mean, I'll have something I'm going through. I'm like, okay, God, you, you need to take this. I need, I need to, give you this to give this to you. Well, or give me a day or two. Or, yeah, <laughs> he wants you to give it over, and then I'll be like, and then I'll be pulling back work on it again. So I feel like I'm having this tug of war with God. And I feel like, and sometimes I'll refer to it, I'll tell him, I'm like, okay, could you just God smack me? <laughs> that he'll just be like, let go. Let me, let me have it. Let me deal with it. Let me take care of it. Let go. Give me the control. And I'll be doing this. <laughs> How smart is that? You think it's a good thing to play tug of war with God? <laughs> You're never gonna win it if he and think about if he were to let go and be like, Okay, here. Have it. <laughs> oh no, I know. Then and then, <laughs> then what would you be doing? It's like, oh no, wait, 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 no, here, take it back. Please, please take it back. So we're just not very good at that. Uh anything else on that? Well, it'll tell you too. It says, your witness to others increases even when you think it doesn't because God gives us the hope that leaks out. We talk about that. I keep focusing on that when he talks about how hope leaks out of us and affects other people. If we look at Philippians 4, 10 through 13, um, which we kind of read about that when our whatever pops up again, he talks about, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances Paul suggests that contentment is not a direct gift from God. It comes through experiencing the ups and downs of life, which is what we talked about. And then it, t- it says contentment, or auto-archase, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right, is a, l- a learned attitude. And that you have enough, no matter how much you actually have. We have enough. How do we have enough? Who do we have enough through?
3: I always praying. Lord, don't give me more than is good
1: for my soul. <laughs> That's a good, did y'all hear that? That her mother would pray that says, Lord, don't give me more than what's good for my soul. That's a good point. Don't give us more than what we need because we don't want to just all of a sudden think, oh, okay, I got this. I can do all this on my own. No, we can't. Uh, it talks, he says, I know and need to have plenty. Paul has had personal experience with having much and having little. The secret of being content in any, the secret to learning the attitude of contentment flows out of knowing you are God's beloved child. That's pretty neat. It'll tell you that beloved life principle number 26, contentment is not dependent on how much you have, but on learning to trust how God loves you. So it kind of goes back to, it's like, okay, contentment isn't stockpiling things and setting all that aside have you ever met somebody in life that has a lot they have a lot of things but they don't come across as very happy have you ever come across anybody that way where you you in today's world you think well god you're financially successful you have you know have you you have this house you have this car you have this you have this you have this why aren't you happy Well, because that doesn't equate to happiness, obviously. Have you ever ever met somebody that, as people used to refer to as poor as a church mouse, and they're very happy? You ever come across that? Where they have very little, and they're very happy. That kind of gives you a good example is uh, happiness does not come with all the stuff that you have. All the things that you've accomplished. To me, success or accomplishment in this life is that you're a belie- you've become a believer. You've gotten to know God. That to me is the height of success. Because everything that you achieve or accomplish in this life, where is it going to stay? It's going to stay here. It's going mm-hmm. to stay in this life. It's not going to go with us to heaven. So success is, getting, is going to heaven.
2: I have a, a poem that my uh, a great aunt had written. It's called Home of Happiness, and mm-hmm. it talks about what brings her joy. Mm-hmm. And it's things like a baby's lilt, mm-hmm. a crackling um, fireplace, mm-hmm. uh, her father uh, coming in for the morning. Mm-hmm. And I think um, those were things that, that did, There weren't material.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: <coughs> they were more about um, enjoying the moment and mm-hmm. family and I think we've gotten quite far from that today.
1: I think we have too. I think we've kind of gotten away from things like that and the little things Can you think of little things that really made you happy when you were growing up? Be it family stuff be it things like that It wasn't ever my dad looking at me with the paddle that didn't that that didn't make me happy. <laughs> no it was my I mean it'd be my dad coming home from work. Putting his suit, his briefcase down, and just opening his arms, I just about knocked my brother out of the way to get there first. <laughs> because it was just, it's just little things like that that make you happy, that give you contentment. And I think, you know, we might all be knocking each other out of the way when we start. And then when Peter's like, "Okay, here's the pearly gates," we'll all be trying to rush in to get, because Jesus, he'll be standing there with his arms open, waiting on us. So it's one of those things, when you think of all just the little things that you go through day to day that don't seem like much, but they really are. And unfortunately, a lot of times what most of us do is we don't recognize those things until we don't have them anymore, until that person's gone, or until that situation isn't there anymore. You don't, that's when you really, wow, that was really an amazing thing. So that gives us that joy and that contentment.
3: Uh, he talks. Oh, yeah.
2: We, uh, you can't. Uh, we got the uh, uh, the exercise of n- uh, no longer finding contentment things when we started downsizing. Mm-hmm. We had a beautiful dining set, complete, mm-hmm. and uh, it was an expensive one. And we said, well, you know, we're no longer having big parties at all. Mm-hmm. So we went to sell it. It was almost worthless because they said nobody entertains this way anymore. <laughs> So the things that you had... Now I don't have valued. a big table to work on when I'm doing my <laughs>
1: Christmas
2: cards. <Yeah. laughs> so it's, a, it's just amazing, you know, that if you look at it, you see all this that we had, it really is more taking things.
1: Yeah. Have you ever noticed nowadays when you get a card in the mail from somebody? How neat that is? Mm-hmm. How much do people actually write and send cards anymore? Your yeah. mother. Yeah. yeah, my mother does. <laughs> But isn't it nice when you get one? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Instead of a text or an email, that you actually get a card. Sometimes they're still in cursive. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> but it's really neat when you get one and you have that thought and that it brings a lot of things back to memory.
0: You know, speaking when you get a card, it makes you feel good, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it brings me back to the mind of Maya Angelou. She had a saying that she would repeat quite often it says, People will forget what you do for them, what you say to them, but they'll never forget how you make them feel.
1: Mm-hmm. That's true. Did you hear that? Is that people will sometimes forget what you say or what you do or things like that, but they'll remember how you make them feel. So that can factor a lot into that of how you make people feel. How do you make yourself feel is all of those things. If we look at, let's see here, he says Philippians 4:14 4, through 19. He says, yes, it was good of you to share in my troubles. Did I skip something? Ooh, did I I leave y'all with blanks? (laughs) We know how much we hate blanks. Okay, so we did. Okay, Beloved Life principle number 27. The world tries to convince you that you cannot be secure until you have enough of whatever. (laughs) That word's going to be stuck in all y'all's heads the rest of the day. And it says, if you buy into that thinking, you will never truly be secure. And then he starts, when he says again, he says, I can do all things. Nothing stands in your way when you know you're our God's beloved. Nothing. Even if you fail, you can get up and keep going. Keep trying and not give up. That's kind of what they kind of clarify a little bit more when he talks about, I can do all things through God who strengthens me. When it says, even if you fail, you can get up. You can keep going. You can keep trying. You don't give up because He strengthens us. And whatever we're going through, He strengthens us because we have Him. Philippians 4 14 through 19, it says, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I was set out for Macedonia, Not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire, and this is what we were talking about earlier, is the more be credited to your account. Back to what he wants credited to their account. It says, I've received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from epiphytitis, if I said that right, the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ. One thing that I underlined as I was studying this is when he says, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied. To me, that kind of came, that resounded with me. That's our presence with God, being his beloved That we've received, we've, how did we get, what was the full payment?
2: Christ's death.
1: That's right. That was Christ's death. That was the full payment for all the sins that all of us have done. Everyone has done throughout the world. That was the full payment. That cleaned the slate. Yes, we tend to dirty it up, try to dirty it up every once in a while, but that, that cleaned the slate as far as our salvation. And he said, and it says, I am amply supplied. And we are, through Christ, we are amply supplied. We have everything we need through him. Everything. We have whatever we need through him. He puts below, he says, you sent me aid more. And he's talking about kind of the generosity of the Philippians demonstrated. It it was indicative of their love. That's what he kept talking about having credited to your account, is that it showed their love. And their concern for Paul, he wanted them to have credit for that and them to understand that's what was important to him. That's what was of value to him, not the food, not the money, but their love and their concern that what, that's what was of value. And he wanted them to understand that that was important to him. And it says, it says, beloved life principle, number 28, generosity cannot be mandated by laws or as it says in parentheses, guilt. (laughs) and regulations or fear of punishment. It is derived from a grateful and humble heart. And then it says they are a fragrant offering, acceptable or pleasing to God. A sacrifice of thanksgiving comes out of a grateful and humble heart. It says, and my God will meet all of your needs. Paul's faith in God's promises encourages their faith and God will provide. At one point in time, I started going through this lesson and go, okay, wherever he says every or whatever, I started to be like, I wonder how, if I strike through everything and put whatever, wherever I see these things, it would probably read almost the same in any, whatever, any, all that. Or if you put Jesus's name in place of that, that means a lot. At the end of this, it talks about Philippians, it'll say four twenty through 23. And it says to our God and father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus, the brothers and sisters who are with me, send greetings. All God's people here, send your greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Did you understand what he was saying when he specifically put that there? Is that even in the time of, I mean, we know how how unbelievably hideous Nero was. But even in his household, and from what I read, they said even maybe in his family chain, There were people, soldiers, servants, things like that, that were, they, they did believe. Mm -hmm. So he's crediting that. And at the end of it, he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit. But if you ever notice, he, Paul, a lot of times he would start his greeting with that and he'd end the letter with that, start it and end it. And when Paul writes it, it's not a case of at the very end where we're all put like sincerely, Hope you're doing, you know, or greetings, or sincerely, or something like that. He is he's intentionally stating that, is that it's not just a standard ending, is that he's kind of saying in the very to us the beginning and the ending is Christ, beginning and the ending of his letter is Christ in all of us. So he's not just casually saying hi later in his letters. He's saying greetings in Christ to you and his love and our love, and then he ends it that way too, but he's not doing it flippantly. He's kind of he, hes kind of like bracketing it. It's like he's bookending what he's saying with Christ. He's bookending the very beginning. He's greeting, he's ending his letters with Christ and the connection that we all have in him. Hmm?
0: He's emphasizing too.
1: He is, he's emphasizing it and how important it is.
4: When I think of, about this, I always am reminded way back when I was just a little kid, Maybe I was eight or nine years old. My mom was teaching my Sunday school class. And she made a point of saying, you know, one thing that you can always hang on to as a Christian is that God has given you life here on earth. He gave you life through your mother Mm -hmm. and gave you a life to share here on earth. And you have a choice to make mm-hmm. because God's going to give you life once again and it's going to be eternal. Mm-hmm. You're going to spend eternity in heaven or hell. Mm-hmm. And that made a big impression mm-hmm. on me.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. never forgot
4: it. That would leave it, would leave I, it with I've you. I've got life, but I'm going to have eternal life. Which yeah. one do I want?
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, Will, does anybody else have anything they want to add? I'm actually very okay. If Pastor Adi asks you next week, he's like, okay, so... What did Gina teach you? I'm okay if all of you go all of you go whatever. whatever. <laughs> oh, we should do that. We just should. leave it at that. I mean, he may he may kick me out of the class if that's all that was learned. But just you can just tell him, whatever. We learned whatever. <laughs> so anything yeah. else y'all want to add before we close?
2: Uh, I just to say that uh, Twice when I've been to the store and I've had help getting groceries out to the car, when I would thank the, uh, the young lad or gal that, uh, that helped me get my groceries to the car, thank you so much. One of them did say, whatever, and the other one said, no problem. <laughs> well, no
1: thank- you, yeah, you, hear, you hear that a lot nowadays. Well, when you say thank you to somebody, they'll say, no problem. Okay, well, maybe we'll just look at it as God saying, No problem. You know, when we say thank you for it, it truly is no problem for him to do it. Yep. But we're still very thankful. We're still very grateful. And we know he he enjoys doing it. I'm not sure that everybody else that says no problem enjoys doing it, but he does. So, mm-hmm. I would say thank you, Gina, for teaching today. Oh, thank you, thank you. Well, it, oh, <laughs> thank you, thank you, for whatever. thank you, thank you for whatever. No, I was, tell- I was telling Glenn earlier, one of the things that the truly is, whenever you teach, you actually learn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You actually learn more than you teach. So it, it really is, and with this group, we can learn a lot. <laughs> we got a good group. Yep. Well, let's go ahead and close in prayer. Our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, as always, for everything that, that we can not only learn through you, but what we can learn through each other. It, it's an amazing experience, and we are truly grateful for it. And we just ask that you be with each one of us this week as we go through whatever it is that you want us to learn, whatever it is that you want us to share, because we know if it's coming from you, it has great value and will have a great impact on others. And, and we like to be the funnel that you use to share that. So we thank you for everything and we appreciate you for everything. And uh, we look forward to coming back together and learning more of what you're going to teach to us. So thank you in Jesus name. Amen.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Messiah's Upper Room Podcast. If you want to join the discussion, please send us an email with your question or comment to Podcast at gmail.com, and we'll be happy to read it during an upcoming class. You can also go to our website at www.messiahlutheranpodcast.com where you can find links to all the previous episodes and copies of our class notes in case you want to follow along with each episode. You can also find out where to subscribe to the podcast at slash subscribe for links on how you can find us on iTunes, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, TuneIn or any other podcast catcher of your choice. If you feel like we have given you any value during this podcast, please consider going to our podcast page in iTunes and leaving a rating or a review. Not only will that provide us with valuable feedback that we can use to improve the podcast for you, but it will help this podcast to climb the iTunes rankings and help us spread God's message to anyone willing to listen. Once again, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And until next time, may God bless you throughout your week. Bye.